Well, welcome to the DNVR Avalanche show. I'm Eric. This is Megan. AJ. He's just. I just pitched my finger in the yeah. microphone. He's crying right now. He's got tears. Oh, got that tears. really. Those that, are real tears. What an this asshole is, microphone. <laughs> those are real tears yeah, we're seeing. Well, that hurt. Speaking of tears, you know what I mean? We are full force in preseason. You know, so <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it can be painful at times. You know? <laughs> no, it's been good. Obviously, we did a show after Sunday's game, right, Rudy and myself. And mm. then obviously last night, uh, victory against mm. Vegas or what was a Vegas uh, three, two. So let's let let's attack the show today with uh, talking a little bit about this. Let's let's break it down, maybe by. What do we like at forwards, and we'll go from there, and then attack the D's and the goalies, and maybe a little bit of competition. So that will make up the show. So yeah. maybe Megan, you can go first, or who'd you like? Who popped at you? Well, the obvious being first time in a Navs uniform, Jonathan Druin, and I think for the top six upside that he teased. Obviously, this environment is a mix of skill levels opposite of him, but I liked what I saw in terms of creation. The playmaking, vision, creativity that he demonstrated. Sometimes, you know, those were passes that weren't always best received by all of the talent alongside him. But when I imagine someone like Arantanen or McKinnon that's there to receive the pass at the NHL level, I get really excited then about what he showed in a preseason game so far. And even alongside Johansson, I thought those two did complement one another. And that also could be two players that are alongside each other moving forward. Um, they could utilize one another very well. I think Johansson specifically benefited from Druan's vision. And so it's interesting that we didn't get to see a third there, like in the same way that we got to see Wood, Colton, and Tatar all three together. Mm -hmm. Johansson and Druan, I liked what I saw. I thought it was a bit unfair to put Jason Pohl in there. And I think <laughs> we'll talk about why that wasn't stylistically the best fit for Poland specifically but I liked what I saw from Johansson and Duran together, and I'm excited then to see what he does when he does have some avalanche caliber players alongside him. There are obviously different options mm. than last year, right? You know, we're talking about second line center and Johansson. Mm. Accustomed to seeing new hook uh, last year, and people have grown frustrated a little bit with his development, which I think he is still developing. What development? Um, you know, what's that? I said, what development? Well, you know what I mean. His progression yeah. as a hockey player. Um, he just stalled out. That's yeah, why. it stalled out. Oh, you know, it's his sophomore season. I know, I know. Hey, you know, good luck to him. So, <laughs> no, no, I'm being honest. Like, uh, but it's nice to see Druin. You know, um, better options than maybe what we were accustomed to last year, especially with the injuries. So. Yeah, those are good points, Megan. Go ahead there, big fella. I was uh, so <laughs> stopping you because you're still crying. I was trying yeah. to give you some time. I know, man. You could tell. Oh, dude, Aww, it's it's actually gross. Um, yeah, my fingers changing colors. Um, <laughs> no, so it's interesting because watching his tape in Montreal, um, having him along that half wall, it's obviously Avs did their homework. That's where he's best utilized. And what I think is interesting is that if he were, in theory, to play on that top unit, on the power play specifically, where I think Jonathan Duran is going, is a very good player, um, where does he play? Because if he's on that half wall, then you know the way that McKinnon and Rantanen have been the two guys on that half wall for years, with now McCarr up high. So if Duran were going to be on that unit, who moves? 
Is it is it Miko who has the best shot on the team, one of the better one timers in the NHL? Is it McKinnon who doesn't have as good of a shot, but is that right handed guy? And we know that PKs scheme against him. So where would Duran fit? And then you, Megan, you mentioned some of the passes that he made last night. The guys that were playing with him have not been on the receiving end of passes like that in their lives because Jonathan Duran just sees things differently. And watching it, it was not like he made the same play. Obviously, he has the assist to Johansson on the bumper play. They do try that again later. But he also has, you know, he puts it out high for Byram, puts it right on his tape for Byram to do whatever he wants with. But he also made multiple passes through the the PK and tried to get to the guy on the back door. Mm-hmm. And that guy on that unit last night, Logan O'Connor, not equipped for that job. Like, he's just not. That's not an area where he's going to play. In, in the regular season, that is going to be a Val Nachushkin or an Arturi yeah. Lekkanen or a Ryan Johansson. And if they decide to move him around, that could be a Miko Rantanen or a Nathan McKinnon. So what I'm saying is that level of creativity, that generation that he had, the, the the scoring chance generation was really, really impressive because if you're a PK and you're trying to defend that, it's not one thing that they're doing. It's not one thing that Jonathan Duran is doing with the puck over and over where you're like, okay, we're going to key on that. It's all of it. He's peeling that PK unit apart layer by layer and forcing them to decide which Scoring chance are we most comfortable giving up? And the one that they give up to Ryan Johansson goes in. And so it's like this this is what makes Jonathan Duran such a hellacious player to deal with on the power play, specifically at 5v5. You know, I really liked his game and there's a lot of stuff there, but what he does on the power play is so good. He is one of for my for my money. He is one of the better playmakers specifically on the power play in the NHL. And, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna, you're not going to confuse him with Nikita Kucherov, but what he is capable of doing and finding the passing lanes and seeing the, the holes in the defense, that vision and that creativity is so high-end. It's what has made him such a tantalizing player his entire life. And, you know, it was a little less... Uh, it was it was a little less fun when he tried to rip off a one timer, and you're like, "Is that the first one timer he's ever shot?" Like it just <laughs> it wasn't great, right? Like it yeah. didn't look very natural to him. But when he was distributing and he was passing, when he was passing pucks through seams, and it's different angles and different guys, that to me was the most exciting part because with the weapons at his disposal, if they wanted to use him on that top unit, yeah. oh my god! I mean. How can you not get excited about you have the best goal-scoring defenseman in the NHL in Kale McCarr. You have, at worst, two 40-goal guys in Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. And now you have a guy that can distribute the way that he does? If he ends up on the top unit, that's obviously very exciting. If he ends up on a second unit, that immediately becomes one of the most dangerous second units in the NHL with that guy running the show the way that he does along that half wall. And that's what we saw last night. He's doing that. He's doing it with Bo Byram and Ryan Johansson, yeah, and and Oscar Olauson on the other side. Like Jonathan Duran, what he did last night, it, very encouraging. But it's easy to it's so easy to see why that performance it makes it easier, even easier to dream on him with even better players, with world class players 
being on the receiving end of that creativity and vision. And, and guys, I think that's where he lost its way a little bit the last couple of seasons. It's been so hard. And a lot of the facts been that French Canadian playing in Montreal, listen, it's hard. I've never had to deal with it, but I'm from there. So I know how it is. It's a great place to, to be from and, um, and to win at. Montreal Canadiens, 93, trust me, like, it was unreal. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it was amazing. Um, guys that were French Canadians, they, they will tell you, Vinny Danfus, Eric Dujard, Patrice Brisbois, yeah. the list goes on. Denny Savard, um, what a place. And they all said it right away. They're like, oh, my God, it's the best place to win in hockey. But when it doesn't go well, it's a tough place to play. And I did talk to Jonathan yesterday a little bit, and he was saying, like, something as stupid as going to the grocery store and you feel free, you know, here in Denver. And it's just different because no one is – you know, and again, it's part of being a hockey player, right? To deal mm -hmm. with fans, and which is yeah. okay, but there's a limit to, mm -hmm. to your private life a little bit. And I think that's where things are crossed a little bit in Montreal sometimes. And he was just saying, going to the grocery store, just putting gas in your car, just just being free and being normal, and not being attacked for making the wrong play the night before. Or, you know, so it was nice to see. I think you saw it on the ice yesterday. You saw that's what he's bringing. Because if you sign him, it's because you want him to bring that. You you want him to bring. That creativity, he is a guy that can play with world-class players. I think he's just looking to get his new chance, new lease on life, and I think he's just going to be a perfect fit. And I know you guys have been big fans and excited about him coming here. Under a million dollars, it's a pretty good fit. Especially if we are having conversations about him on a power play unit, the first power play unit specifically, mm -hmm. because part of that creativity complements the unpredictability of Miko Rantanen so well. We talk about Miko Rantanen <laughs> so on that right side. And personally, I like having the right shot on the right side from Miko Rantanen. But because he rovers so much too, sometimes Miko Rantanen goes to make a play from behind the net. If there is maybe a little bit of a rotation that is accepted on the Avs' first power play unit, I could see Miko Rantanen on paper being on the half wall and maybe it's Joanne who's sort of in that bumper role though I will put an asterisk there that they liked Johansson there as well mm -hmm. for good reason he had a great night at the faceoff dot and so helped with their offensive zone possession so much just in being that guy that that's sort of the benefit of having Johansson in the bumper spot but if Duran is sort of a rover style bumper and is moving throughout the first power play unit, this is where that creativity complements the unpredictability that is Mika Rantanen in a nice way. I still believe in the Nathan McKinnon one-timer from the left side to some degree, so I'm fine keeping him on that half wall as well. But it's nice to even entertain Duran in the first power play unit conversation. And I like to look at the fact that what he teased in power play time yesterday points to what we're also talking about just in his five-on-five five possibilities as well, that creativity also translating to that part of the game as well, and that will complement then whoever he's alongside as well. And then the other, sorry, I lost my train of thought, like right in the middle of that. I was trying to make the separation <laughs> between power play Druan and five-on-five Druan mm -hmm. because I started this with five-on-five Druan based on what I saw in the power play. Yeah. And that was to point out that he had just done power play work with Byram and Johansson, and then the rest of that five-man unit for the first time yesterday. And we already saw some of the possibility with the playmaking. And that's what also gets me excited then, is that's just a first glimpse at what he's capable of with a newly constructed five-man unit. That's why I also start applying it to what he might be capable of five-on-five, five because his line mates might not be consistent throughout the course of the year, and he will probably be playing alongside a little bit of mix of guys and so mm -hmm. that versatility is also going to benefit him 
as we get things going along here. And I think one viewer mentioned about nice to have options. Absolutely. I totally do agree. I do believe they're better options than last season. Huh. No offense to, you know, whoever was there. But I mean, come on. I mean, if we're talking about you the bumper just, position. Just going from JT Comfort to Ryan Johansson alone. That's my point. Also, I, and I was going to Johansson here. Like, a lot of people mistake the uh, bumper position. was like, oh, you just throw in the power play. or just be a decoy. It's a tough position. It is a tough position. Mm-hmm. you got to be on your toes. you really got to go what's going on on your left, right? And you really got to be an option. And a lot of times when you do get the puck, the play's behind you. There's Meaning like the guy's right behind you. You have to know he's on your left side, right side. You have to know where it's going a step ahead. So you need a cerebral pray, a player. That's why I do believe Johansson is, as we saw yesterday, as we saw his goal, Druen can be. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and, and again, when you're talking about a full lineup, those positions will be a little bit different. Yeah. But which leads me to Johansson. You know, let's talk about him a little bit. Yeah. So with Johansson, you know, we're talking about specifically this top power play unit. And you, I've, I've kind of had him since he got acquired, penciled into that role because he does fill the JT Comfort job. He wins you faceoffs at a high level, much higher level on a consistent basis than Comfort ever has in his career. But he's also that right shot and he's a much bigger player than Comfort. And so you're just looking at, okay, this guy is an upgraded version of what you had last year on your top unit, which was a top 10 power play. It's a pretty good power play unit, even with JT there. And so you get Johansson in there. But the other thing about Johansson that's that's dual purpose is if you don't want to play an Arturi Lekkanen or a Val Nichushkin to be your net front guy right there, mm-hmm. Johansson is big, and he has a lot of goals over the last couple of years where he just tips puck in, where he provides the screen, you know? He's a big guy. All he has to do is just back up, put his ass in the goaltender's face, and block that view. And it's a re- he's really effective in that regard in his career. So it's not just the bumper spot, but he can also just be that screen guy in front of the net. And that, and, and then you are looking at maybe Joe, maybe Duran is a rotational guy that you can move around the ice, or Miko is a guy that you can move around the ice, and all of those guys can can are capable of making the next pass. Because you look at the playmaking from all of them, and it's all at an extremely high level. It's it's with Johansson and Duran, it is arguably their best skill. You look at uh, Rantanen. Rantanen has always been a high assist guy. He's he's a wonderful passer, and we see that below the the goal line all the time. And with Johansson, it just opens up. He can do multiple of the jobs. He's not so pigeonholed. Whereas Comfort last year was not a very effective, it, at times it was okay, but not a consistently effective player in front of the net or on the bumper spot. And I think Johansson is just an improved version of that. Plus, he's the guy that wins you faceoffs, and he's he's right-handed. And so you've recreated what you had in JT Comfort, but you've, you've upgraded it in what I think are all meaningful ways. And we saw a little bit of that last night. We saw at 5v5 some of that creativity, that little, that, that little extra pass, that he made to Jason Poland in the first period that did not go well for Poland, which I know we're going to talk about. But that little pass that he makes, and then the work that he does do on the power play, he does win faceoffs, he does score that goal because you're talking about you need a cerebral player, and you need to know when you're in that bumper spot, you have a split-second decision. The second that you get that puck, there are three guys around you. You need to know where they are. You need to know where you are in relation to the net. You need to know what options you have. And having a really smart playmaking option like a Johansson, yeah. you're going to get 
quality decisions in that spot. And that's where I, I was so encouraged because, again, we're talking about Bo Byram, Jonathan Duran, Oscar Olauson, and Ryan Johansson make up that power play unit, knowing that that's going to get significantly upgraded when they roll out into L.A. on opening night. That's going to be a much tougher unit. And like the viewers are saying right now, what a nice problem, right, to have for, for Bednar and uh, Ray Bennett that runs the power. Yeah. Board, right? I mean, it's a nice problem. Uh, obviously, I think you're, you're of that opinion as well. Like Ryan Johansson, it's a fresh start for him. It's a new, it's a new career basically, right? Because you can say, hey, whatever's happened before, he's had a good NHL career, but he he's capable of more success mm -hmm. individually and as a team. And I think wherever his ceiling is in Colorado is going to be up to him. And I think they've made it very clear of them. And I think you saw that a little bit last night with a fresh start for him, and you know, kind of show what he can do the coaching staff and to his teammates. In the same way that we talked about some pressure being relieved for Joanne, I think it's true of Johansson. I think in Nashville he was looked to be the answer to their problems and had to carry the weight of that. And I even saw in last night's game there was this not I have to solve the problems, but how can I help? Yep. And I feel like he serves better in a how can I help role. He does strike me as a player, very classic hockey archetype of being selfless and just wanting to make everyone around him better. That pass to Polin in the mm. first he was, in my opinion, a surge of energy in scoring opportunities for a lot of that mm -hmm. first period, yeah. too. He was sort of at the forefront of them, and driving play is going to be necessary of him at the NHL level as mm -hmm. a second-line center. And I just feel like seizing the opportunity and recognizing what his role in Colorado and how it's different from what it had to be in Nashville will also help him to reframe what the responsibility looks like. Because I feel I, he takes it seriously, and I definitely see mm -hmm. as much but I think he's more effective when he doesn't have to carry the weight of his team on his shoulders. I think this is a, a really good point, too, of the same thing true of both Johansson and Turan. They have been asked to be among their team's best players for a long time. And they've not been successful mm -hmm. leading those teams to success. That is not the case here. They get to come into Colorado and they get a they get to play with the kind of freedom, like a, an emotional freedom that they did not have as, you know, in Nashville, it was a number one center. It was the highest paid player. It was all those things, right? And then when Duchesne got there, it was it was kind of like a 1A, 1B. And then I think he just got really comfortable. Yeah, It was fine. He was happy with that life. He was, he was content. And with Duran, you know, we've well documented his time in Montreal yep. was just a, a roller coaster of highs and lows. And there's like there's a reason that Ryan Johansson was free for the Avalanche. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that a division rival is paying him four million dollars to play for him. There's a reason that Jonathan Duran cost them less than a million dollars. These are guys with pock marks in their careers. These are guys with some pretty significant uh, cons in their in the pro con list of when they got here, and reasons to be cautious. You know, not overly. You know, we're all very we all feel great right now. They played great last night, but. There is an emotional freedom there that they are going to have this season. And and I think that, you know, a liberated hockey player is a good hockey player. Yeah. And to speak to what Megan was saying, how, how can I help? It's no longer how can I carry this team? It's how can I be a cog in the machine of success? I like that.
cog in the machine of success. I like that. Write that down. Write <laughs> that down. Cogliano shirt coming <laughs> make soon. <laughs> make, a, make a shirt out of it. Well, our show is uh, brought to you by Breckenridge Distillery. Uh, Breckenridge Bourbon, official bourbon of the Denver Broncos. Use the hashtag Broncos Bourbon. You're going to meet a lot of it this year, guys. Yeah, on Instagram for a chance to win two tickets to the Breckenridge Bourbon Whiskey Suite for the Broncos versus Chargers game on December 31st, 2023. Uh, Breckenridge Distillery products are available in all 50 states. Stop by your local retailer or visit BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery or award-winning Breckenridge spirits. I pray. Nice fresh word, you know, anywhere. <laughs> I like it. Uh, kind Love. Gross. <laughs> kind Love is excited to be an official partner of DNVR and support another local brand. We love the Kind Love cannabis and always get a consistent, great experience when we are high on Kind Love. Quality, integrity, consistency, variety, and safety is what they're all about. Visit one of our stores in Cherry Creek or North Denver. Mention DNVR and receive the DNVR exclusive discount of 25% of all Kind Love flower pre-rolls in their Turbo Joint line. You can also visit their website at kindlove.com and use that code DNVR for online ordering in their full extensive menu. I think I'm the resident uh, beat stoner. Um, <laughs> so I can definitely speak to the uh, quality of the Kind Love products. I enjoy them on a daily basis at this point. Nice. Well, here we are. Second period of the DNVR show. Avalanche. Let's see. We talked a little bit about the forwards, right? Yeah. No. Can, we, uh, can we just start with uh, real quick? Yeah. The, Avs, the Avs announced their cuts. Reassignments. That's my guy. <laughs> That's our guy. Um, so I'm just going to run down the list. I don't think anybody will be surprised by these. Um, DJ Buzdecker, Gianni Fairbrother, Kyle Mayhew, Cedric Pare, Ryan Sandlin, Dalton Smith, all uh, reassigned to the Eagles. And then Ivan Jagalov uh, was reassigned to Tri-City of the USHL, which okay. will make Katie Goss excited. <laughs> Katie loves the USHL, yes. So yes. Um, that's our first wave of cuts. We didn't talk about them. Uh, we didn't. We, you know, we only talked about just those couple of forwards that first segment, but um, not on that list. Meryl Shidlika, Ivan, Ivan. 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 It's a pretty impressive performance for these two guys, starting in Vegas and going into that preseason game they played last night. This is, you know, Ivan Ivan on an AHL deal. And Jedlico was just drafted in the seventh round as a 20-year-old. Um, he's playing in the Slovakian Pro League. Um, I think it was fair to say tempered expectations coming in. A curiosity maybe of like, oh, let's see how this goes. The early returns look like they might have a player in both of these guys. Which we talked about it last week, all of us and Rudo. Yeah. You have an opportunity to put on a jersey, step on an NHL ice, whether it's for practice, rookie <coughs> turn. There's a chance for you to make an impression. Um, you, I know you both like it, you know. And again, we're not going to waste time on Ivan Ivan, but he's the <laughs> perfect example on making yourself notice, making mm -hmm. yourself, mm -hmm. uh, making you a name for yourself, and then all of a sudden, oh, you know, again, he doesn't have an NHL deal, but he didn't make the first, you know, 
guys being cut, which yeah. is awesome. It's a testament to how you played because if you look at it on paper before it starts, you're like, oh, this guy's gonna be gone by the first cuts. This guy, you know, so he's done his job. And then he made people from the front office notice him. And then all of a sudden, now they're talking about him for whatever it is that you're talking about. So if we go back to to, to the game last night on D, is there anybody that kind of stood out for you in that sense? Um, in the sense of we might not be having NHL conversations no, no, in the sense about that, them. In the sense they made the most of their opportunity yesterday. Jeremy Hansel. Hey, absolutely. Perfect. perfect example. Fits that category perfectly. <laughs> also makes... He's still crying. These you shows said his name and he's really crying. difficult because the more we see in him as the environment around him grows more challenging because mm -hmm. it has. Like he comes out of Major Junior, gets in a rookie showcase against AHL, NHL talent opposite him. And those are games that he's dropped into and he assimilates very well from game one to game three, the promotion that he received and the trust that he built with Schneecloth put him on his offside on a top pairing running PP1 by game three of the rookie showcase. Now he's in a preseason game and he holds his own. I think he demonstrated one, the processing of the game. Obviously that is something that comes with time, but his ability to do it as quickly as he has shows how smart he is. And then, of course, knowing he's a left-hand D being put on his right side, kind of an extension of what we saw at the end of the tournament for Hansel, speaks to the versatility that I think they're going to lean into with him as a player in allowing him to flex that opportunity on an even bigger stage and seeing that he can handle it. It goes back to this pro polish that we've talked about around Hansel that we noticed in development camp. And... That is really difficult for a young player to be able to process the game as well as he has so far because that's where a lot of mistakes get made because the pace is so much quicker. And that's just something he's done so well. And I think he is going to make the organization make difficult decisions because oh. there is a log jam on the Eagles blue line next year. But by my account, he belongs there. And I think you can make the argument he's already made him make that difficult decision. Because yeah, because Fairbrother's gone. Well, and and if I remember correctly, Seattle season starts this week. I'm so gonna look it up. I'm I, I think it I think it starts like he, obviously they can still reassign him. Oh, of course. After Thursday's game and be yeah. like, you're out of here. But yeah. they, you know, they. Sorry, I'm also watching the baseball <laughs> score. So you're out of here. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it's it's. I think I think he's already had a productive camp in that way. They've gotten many looks at him now, and he's still here. And that's and I think that's what you have to love about what he's accomplished. And you're talking about the processing speed and all that. It's it should be noted. Preseason NHL games are like low level AHL games. Like that's the kind of caliber that he has. They're they're tougher than ECHL competition. They're not quite like a really good AHL game. And he's been fine. He was fine last night. I like I liked him. I thought he was solid. I thought the the number one thing that I've loved about his game is the decision making, the the the, the hockey smarts consistently pop for me. It's it's always he's always he gets the puck in his own zone, he makes a good he makes a good outlet pass. He skates it when he can skate it. He moves it when he needs to move it. He doesn't ever look like he is overwhelmed by a moment. And that kind of poise is hard to find in young guys. You almost always see, you know, for just for comparison's sake, you look at how Justin Barron was when the Avs drafted him. 
those first couple of preseason games, you could see the skating and the size and some of the puck handling. But you saw when he got pressured in the defensive zone, he was uncomfortable. He need, It was an area of his game that he needed to really work on. Uh, sorry, Kay, if you think it's, uh, it's under, he's under attack here. But seeing that area of Justin Barron, you know, first-round pick, it was so highly regarded. That's such a make-or-break area for young defensemen of how do they handle it's, – it's easy to make a breakout pass when there's nobody on you. But how do you make a decision when you have a split second, you have a four-checker bearing down on you? And Jeremy Hansel has handed, handled those moments well. And I think that's where you have to feel really comfortable with. Hey, I was just talking about Meryl Shedlishka as a seventh-round pick looking pretty good. Their sixth-round pick looks pretty good too. Like this, this is a guy that I think you know. As you mentioned, Fairbrother is gone already. That's a, that's a guy that he would be competing for AHL ice time with, should the Avs decide to keep him around. And at the moment, they have. Yeah. And I think that's that that is a, a solid accomplishment for him. He just needs to keep it up. He needs to keep working because the longer he stays, the longer of a look they are taking at him. That means that that you know they're having the conversation about what is the benefit of keeping him. If they've already made the decision to send him back, he'd be back. They're keeping him around because they want to continue to take a look at him. Now, it's going to really suck if an hour from now they come up with another press release and be like, <laughs> we reassigned him. But, it's okay. you know, um, for the moment, they've kept him when they didn't have to. He's already making them make hard choices around him. Question for you guys, because you guys are the two intelligent people at this table, and you do the research, um, and this is a fair question, because I don't know the answer. Last year, did he ever play on his offside in juniors? Do we Han- know? Hansel. Yeah. Yes. He yeah. Did? On a regular basis, he played on the right side for the Thunderbirds. Perfect, because I was going to say, First time, let's say you play an NHL game. I don't care if it's like, you know preseason or a regular season mm-hmm. game to, to be thrown on NHL ice and to be on your offside. Sometimes it's not that easy. It's, well, it's not an easy. Some guys cannot do it. We saw you know it with I mean? Eric Johnson. Oh, some guys can't during during some of the last couple of years. We saw EJ would move over to the left side, yeah. and it was a train wreck. Yeah, it, it, it was be. obvious that he yeah. had been playing on one side of the ice for ten years. Um, so it is a notable thing. Yeah. If a guy can move over, that's a valuable skill to have, especially as a left-handed guy in a world where teams are dying for right-handed defenders. Yep. If you're a left-handed guy that can transition over and play a good defense, this is part of Sam Gerrard's value too to the Avalanche. He plays a solid right side as a lefty. It's hard. It can be hard for some guys to do. So the fact that he's able to do that, because he did it in, we talked about it in Vegas. In Vegas, he started on the second pairing on the left side. Then he moved up to the top pairing on the left side. Then he ran the whole damn show in game three from the right side. Last night, he's on the right side, and look at this. He's still here. Which is a good... And some of the guys that he was in competition with, Kyle Mayhew is going to be in the ECHL this year. You know, Gianni Fairbrother's on an NHL deal. We're going to see. He's still here. Yeah. What about a guy like Keaton Middleton? A guy that you've watched a lot, obviously, the last few years. All of you, but especially Megan and in uh, with the Eagles. Um, I didn't mind him. Me, personally, I don't mind him. If this is a guy that needs to come up on depth a little bit once in a while, probably not going to start the season here, obviously. But barring injuries, I wouldn't. I don't mind if a guy like that comes in and pitches a few innings and, you know, to use baseball terms to make sure you're okay with your baseball game. Um, 
you know, always take care of AJ. Um, but yeah, I didn't mind him at all. I think he's a guy with some, some, you know, big size and obviously he feels a little, he looks a little more confident than he was a few years back. And Absolutely. obviously he's getting older and not that he's an old man, he's just getting older and getting more experience. And I thought he was good. You know, it's not meant to be lazy analysis, but he is so similar to Andreas England, so much so that there is even this checks. I almost feel bad for Middleton because England gets his call up to the Avs last season, makes an impression, <coughs> and secures an NHL deal at the end of it all. They would have liked Middleton to also follow a similar path last mm. year as well. It was a hard decision to make is where I'm going with this because where both players took a big step forward happened around the same time. It was the Calder Cup playoffs two seasons ago. They were depleted at D a little bit, dealing with some injuries, and Middleton and England both step up in a big way, and they also are very similar style of players. And what I think is realistic about seeing Middleton potentially get some games, barring injury, is my belief in what Jared Bednar is looking for for D replacements at the bottom of the D core. Unfortunately, as much as I like the Brad Hunt, very mobile puck-moving defenseman style of player, Jack Ashan in there as well, Corey Schooneman a little bit too, though it's very early, I don't think Bednar likes that type of player filling in to eat minutes at the bottom of the decor. I think he feels more comfortable with a big body who's going to be physically punishing, make guys pay in his own end, and that is Keaton Middleton and Andreas Englund. And for that reason... That is why he's sort of at the top of my depth chart for call-ups is because of what Keaton Middleton is. He's a really brutal player to play against, and I think that's going to resonate with Bednar. And then the improvements he's made defensively, just getting more reliable there and being stable and steady is why I think, like Andreas Englund and how we talked about him last year, Middleton would be that next man up if they needed somebody to eat some minutes on that third pairing at points this year. If you're trying to replace Jack Johnson in your lineup, just theoretically here, there's nobody in your system right now better equipped to do it than Keaton Middleton. Mm -hmm. He's the closest facsimile to what you have in Jack Johnson and that ability of a guy to play a more hard-nosed defensive game very safe. He's not going to do anything for you offensively. But we'll bring the physicality on the back end and try to play a steady game. Limit mistakes, block shots, and hit guys. Very basic, third pairing, try and make it work. And where I don't want to certainly write off Keaton Middleton is that we have seen over the last five years, these guys, you know, Dan Renuff, Ryan Graves, Andreas England, to a lesser extent, like a, a Brad guy like Brad Hunt. But some of these guys that you thought were Kyle Burroughs, another one, guys who have been in Colorado's system that have struggled to break in, you know, have, have been there for a while, but whatever they were learning in Colorado helped them move forward and get more opportunity than they had previously had. There's been a lot of these kinds of guys. And Keaton Middleton, look, it should be noted, Keaton Middleton's their top pairing guy last year. You know, now obviously there was a lot of hemorrhaging of talent to the NHL level that that played a role in that. But Keaton Middleton was their top D pairing guy that they moved guys in and around and gave opportunity. When Ryan Merkley got here, put him with Keaton Middleton and see how it goes. You know? He's been that guy for the Eagles. There's not really a lot left for him at the AHL level to prove. 
And he was in my day one training camp write-up of, I really liked his edge work. I really liked his skating. I thought that it had really improved from previous years. And as we know, if you're a bad skater, you're not making the avalanche. Unless you are exceptional at something else. You have to be able to play with some pace. You have to be able to keep up with the speed at which the avalanche play. And it looks like Middleton has taken, to me anyway, has taken a bit of a step forward in that regard. And that's why you just have to take him seriously. You can't skate, not just with the avalanche. It's a tough league to play. <laughs> it just is. Whether you're you're mm. a forward or a D, you know what I mean. I think you're bang on with that. Both of you are bang on with the assessment of Keaton Middleton. But if it's sunny outside like it is today, <laughs> you can wear your shady rays. So um, exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to shadyrays.com. And use the code DNVR for 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Beautiful day today, right? I mean, we should be yeah. wearing our shady rays. Um, I've got them in my car. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. As long as you're driving home with them, you're going to be fine, you know. Uh, our show brought to you by Volo Sports. Volo is the largest social sports company in the U.S. You can get the Volo Pass monthly membership that gives unlimited access to sports events and social activities every night. Unlimited pickups, drop-ins, and tournaments. Ball leagues are open now. Sign up before it's too late. Get your Volo Pass and start playing in leagues as free agent today. I'm still a free agent. I never signed my retirement papers in the NHL. So maybe <laughs> I can get, you know, if there was a bowl of hockey, I would, you know, I'd be a free agent. Bowl hockey. Uh, make sure to use the code DNVR10 for $10 off at www.volosports.com slash Denver. Here we are. Let's talk a little bit about, maybe if we do a little bit of, <coughs> mixing the forwards and the Ds, and obviously we can touch on Mongolians, but maybe a little mm. bit of internal competition. You know, what what do we see here coming down the stretch? The first couple exhibition games are usually getting someone an exhibition game, or I sorry, preseason games. I know people call that preseason games around here. I'm used to exhibition games. Um, but it's just, you know, it's a way to see what they look like at the NHL level with NHL players. The goal was probably to... You know, send them down here next couple of days anyway. We'll see what happens. But where do we really see the real internal competition? <coughs> Whether at forward or on D or even in goalie, uh, it looks pretty clear in goalie, but let, let's touch on all three positions. It's Start hard. with you. It's hard to start the conversation because in hearing Bednar say early on, there's two forward spots <coughs> up for grabs, and he's used the word couple. So he might have, he might not have literally meant two. But I'm looking at 12 and 13, 12 yeah. being fourth line center and then their 13th guy. The only trouble I'm having with this 13th guy is Curtis McDermott. Yeah, it's so obviously him. It's so obviously him. That's not a real spot that's up for grabs. I can't entertain the possibility that a lot of these guys that I'm banging the drum for <coughs> could actually be that 13th guy. Because in a perfect world, I think Ben Myers and Frederick Olofsson should be in that mix because I like both of them. And... I think that Ben Myers should have the inside track and we can unpack that and talk about that a little more in a second. Sure. But if I'm to talk about the 13th forward spot, I want to then entertain, all right, well, that's where we're seeing Jason Pullen get first line opportunity with Drew Ann and Johansson. That's why that's happening. And Matt Steinberg, I think he's being utilized 
in sort of a fourth line role playing alongside forward Curtis McDermott because that is realistically the type of role he'd play in the NHL one day. And I don't realistically believe Steinberg is on an NHL track right now. I think he needs to go and do things very well at the American League level first, but these are still really important games to preview that kind of thing. And so what I'm struggling with here is the Dallas Three. I <laughs> Kiviranta. Who I, came up with that, by the way? Was that one of you guys? I saw it on Twitter. It wasn't me. I cannot right. personally take credit for it. I want to say Evan first said the Dallas I like Three. It. I like it. But I like it, too. I don't know that I even am realistically entertaining Tufty at the top of that list, but he's definitely in it. And so it just makes it hard to have conversations about the 12th and 13th guy if I really don't believe the 13th spot is actually open. Yeah. Well, and with McDermott last night, you get everything that you get with Curtis McDermott. The good, the bad, a lot of the ugly in between. <laughs> you know, you you got the full, that, that full Curtis McDermott experience last night of he forechecks hard. He blows a couple of guys up. He has a couple of big hits. The physicality matters. It's his forecheck that leads to his goal. Where he just goes to the net and whacks away and bangs the puck home. Great. If he's going to play forward full-time this year and he's going to score a handful of goals, they're probably all going to look like that. <laughs> that's what they need to look like. You know, that's that's who he is. And then you saw the ugly. You, you know, he takes a penalty seven minute, less than seven minutes to play in the third period of a one-goal game. He takes a, a kneeing penalty trying to take a run at somebody high in the zone. You just don't need to do it. You don't need to do it. Um, and then after he scores the goal, the next shift, he loses his guy. That leads to, that helps lead to uh, the goal that makes it 3-2. Like, you see the good and the bad with him last night in that. And the selling points are obvious. Um, you know, we've talked about it on the show recently. He's, he's beloved in the locker room. Yep. And as a forward, his the limitations are significantly less pronounced. He's, you know, as a as a big bruising forward type, he makes plenty of sense. As a default seventh defenseman, we saw we've seen six guys make stronger cases than what he would do as a defenseman. So he's at forward right now for a reason. Because he's already losing lanes to continue to make the team and stay on the team. And I wonder if they get a few injuries in, if they aren't just like, we can't do it. Like right now, they're healthy enough. You know, a full lineup, he could be the 13th guy. But again, positional versatility. Ben Myers and Frederick Olofsson are vying for the 4C spot. And if you like those guys better, Ben Myers might just lose because he can pass through. He doesn't have to pass through waivers. They can just straight up send him down and wait until they need him. We saw it with the Eagles last year. He took the demotion well. He handled his business. He went down. He played quality hockey. Comes back up. With Frederick Olofsson, for me, it should be Frederick Olofsson and Ben Myers as the inside tracks. I agree with you on that point. It should be those guys. Riley Tufty's not a center. And no matter how much Jared Bender no, funny. dreams and wishes and hopes that Riley Tufty is going to be an NHL center, he's not. Yeah. You know, um, we have seen Bender be willing to do this, to take guys that are have not been centers and just say, yeah, we'll see how it goes. He, he's done it with Miko. Granted, he's not the first guy. Patrick Waugh tried it with Miko you know, when Miko was 18. But, you know, Tufty, for, for me, if, if like this, this conversation of like, okay, so Tufty, 
how does Tufty have a leg up over Curtis McDermott? You know, it's funny. I, I feel weird making this argument, but like they both have size. McDermott's more effective with his size than Tufty is with his. Tufty's the better skater and the more skilled player. It's not really what you're looking for from a it, what would be because those those guys are both going to be wings in reality. Riley Tufty might make the team and play some four C. It won't last. He doesn't know what he's doing there. He's admitted he doesn't know what he's doing there. We saw it on the second day of training camp. They made him that, and Val Nichushkin spent the entire time adulting for him because he doesn't. He's not done that job. The NHL is not where you go to learn to play center. You know, and so no, no you don't. <laughs> so it's a tough place. To where learn. is where is Riley Tufty having an advantage over Curtis McDermott right now in this battle? McDermott is very well liked. He has all the intangibles we've yep. we've talked about. Okay, and then I, we haven't even gotten to the third guy from Dallas yet, but Yoel Kiviranto, he scores that nice goal. He plays with a little bit of pace. Is he any is he any better than Frederick Olsson? I for me the answer is no. Especially when, what are you asking him to do in your NHL lineup? If you were looking for somebody to replace a Tomas Tatar, that spot when it was open, Kivi Ranta was a guy that I could I could have seen it playing with a little bit of pace, maybe a little more of a skill-oriented game. Because I think he probably has more natural skill than either Tufty or Olofsson. But when you're talking about a fourth-line fit, Olofsson plays all three positions, can win you some face-offs. He does all of the hard things that you want out of fourth-line center, which is where I think he has the advantage over Ben Myers. Ben Myers, I think, plays with good pace. He's got the, the skating. Can he play the game that fast, though? Last night, I thought he was great. But I also thought Frederick Olofsson was great two nights ago. And that feels like it's going to be the ultimate battle. And it might come down to, we don't want to try and pass those guys through waivers. They, For me right now, I would say Olofsson is my opening night 4C. McDermott is my healthy scratch. And Ben Myers loses the loses out on this job because of the waivers. As the ultimate, we're gonna try to keep all of them. And as you should. It, well, <laughs> and then like the the real question is, is, is there serious competition for those guys getting claimed? Because how many Frederick Olifsons are there in the NHL? Yeah. You know, there's 50 of those guys that are about to go on waivers over the next mm-hmm. couple of weeks. So is that guy the one that gets claimed? I don't know. I don't have maybe last year we saw so many claims that it was kind of like, I don't know what the hell is happening on waivers anymore. <laughs> I don't know why Pat Verbeek keeps spike claiming people. But uh, you know, so like there's always that possibility. But I don't for me that's where it is right now because they've all played well. I, we haven't seen that. We've got four more preseason games. We need to see some separation in play. We need to have – somebody's got to have a bad game. Because right now all the guys that are in competition for these roster spots, yeah. I feel like have played well. They've played into the competition and not out of it. And I think that, for one thing, you talk about culture, that has to be super encouraging. Guys are killing themselves playing the best they can to make the 13th spot on opening night. It's healthy competition, though. That's an organization that breeds winning. It's a puzzle. It's a business. So you're you're bang on right there. And I'm not saying Ben Myers is going down. I'm saying, but as an organization, you're going to look at the puzzle and say, I'm, I'm not going to argue with, with you about Dermy. We've already had our arguments, yeah. right? I mean, and, and again, you're right. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, I caught some flack 
from viewers, yeah, they're saying that it's a, it's not an answer that's like good enough. But but I'll go back <laughs> to my answer. It's what I'm trying to say is it's not a metric. It's not a tangible. Like what he totally. brings, and when I say it's a feeling, it's it's a feeling that Makar sitting on the bench, McKinnon, all those guys have, and and that's what I mean by it's a feeling because it's it's not measurable. It's not measurable. It's not an analytics thing. It's not yeah. an eyeball test. So he's good, he's bad. He brings something that all the guys we're talking about don't. And, well, and I now know it's a different league. I know that. I know that. But it still has a place. And it still has a place when you have a skilled team like the Avalanche. Well, and, and I think maybe even the better point that you made off air when we were yeah. talking about it in regards to Matt Steinberg specifically. Sure. Let's say, because if McDermott's in your lineup, somebody's hurt. Like, let's just be honest here. Mm-hmm. And he's not playing center. Like, don't <laughs> give me this. He's playing He's playing because Andrew Cogliano's not ready on opening night, sure. right? So if he's doing that, what does – you're talking about McCarr gets this feeling and all that. You know who really gets that feeling is Logan O'Connor. Logan O'Connor has – like, not that he holds back. <laughs> but Logan O'Connor has full permission. Full permission to absolutely go – Balls 100%. to the wall, hundred percent crazy town because he knows <laughs> that McDermott is there to handle any kind of scrum. Curtis McDermott is going to pick up another grown man, remove that element from the conversation, and he might have to get into a fight. He might have to go to a box for two minutes for roughing or whatever. It'll probably be matching because refs are cowards. But <laughs> ultimately, like that's I think that's the better point of it's yeah. not so much McKinnon and McCarr. Yeah. It's Logan O'Connor well, now has full permission oh, yeah. to get crazy pants wild. Do what say whatever you want to say about whoever's mother that you can possibly think of. <laughs> he would never. Sure. How's a DU kid? I've seen I've seen those gums flap in the middle of games. <laughs> but what, what I was trying to say is it's yeah. a business, right? So if Ben Myers, it, you know, if you don't have to clear waivers, and sometimes you're the one that has to go down the highway for yeah. for a few weeks. or It is what it is. And that's part of being young in this league. And when I say young is your number of recruit seasons, or you know, which we know he's not there yet, to be able to clear mm-hmm. the waivers. And that's why mm-hmm. after a certain amount of time in games, you have to clear waivers so then you can't be that guy. So it's a business. And again, let, let's, let's make sure everybody's healthy. You know what I mean? But yeah. you're dealing with not even one injury. Here. Right. So we're talking about full throttle everyone ready to go, everyone playing, Yeah. then you might have to do some shenanigans like that, which are all legal. I'm not saying it's illegal shenanigans. It's just, it's it's called That's when business. you talk about the puzzle, you're That's talking it. to the Ben Myers being able to go, he doesn't have to do waivers. You have no threat of losing Ben Myers, you know? No. I don't know how you feel about it, but I know we have both talked about it and feel that if McDermott goes on waivers, he's gone. 100%. Somebody's taking him. There's two things I want to propose. Sure. The first is... And that's why you're smart. Keaton Middleton. Because he Mm. is a tough customer who plays that role at the HL level. Could he supersede Mm -hmm. Curtis McDermott? If if that were to happen one day, like let's say things aren't going great with Jack Johnson Mm -hmm. and they're looking at Keaton Middleton... They need a seventh D here. Like they do need that guy. I don't think people are going to act up with Keaton Middleton on the ice either. Because of who he is and the reputation that he's earned. Could he serve a new Curtis McDermott role and make him expendable? It's a great point, Megan. And that's why they have those healthy discussions with Mm -hmm. management and, you know, coaches. And, you know, at some point you do become expendable. Whether you're, you know, even Wayne Gretzky got traded twice. I mean, you know, at some point 
different circumstances. I'm not comparing Curtis McDermott to Wayne Gretzky. I'm saying, but at some point, you do become expendable, and somebody's there to take your job. And that's that's just what this league is all about, right? Mm-hmm. You're trying to get get better, and then you are some sort of a commodity in the sense that somebody would take you. You know what I mean? So I do believe somebody would take I do too. Mac. You know what I mean? So I, I think you don't just put someone on waivers to put them on waivers. When you put someone on waivers, it's because you've made 32 phone calls or 31 phone calls. Yeah. And you've had a hard no. Yeah. And and there's a lot of factors with waivers, too, because you claim a contract, right? Now you're adding to your contract. Right. You're mm-hmm. not dropping one. You're claiming a salary. You're claiming a player. You have to keep on your roster. You right. Can't this just, is the biggest it, misconception a, yes. about waivers. You don't just pick up a guy. People you know think I mean? that you can just pick Free. him up and then no. drop him in Loveland. And you just can't. You don't just add a guy to your organization. You add him to your NHL team. But that's the biggest misconception because I hear that all the time. Like, oh, my God, the guy cleared waivers last week, could have had him for free, and now you gave up, a, you made a trade. No, of course you made a trade for him because you traded a contract yeah. for a contract. You traded money for money. And that's the thing that some people don't really understand sometimes. So that's why guys sometimes go through waivers, but then they get traded a couple weeks later. You know, because they couldn't find a partner before, but now they're like, hey, he's gone through waivers. Yeah. Now he's down. We can make a trade for him and then just send him right through the American League because he doesn't have to re-clear waivers. We've seen the Avs do this where they will send, they've sent guys down. Yes. Or they've really, they've like paper transactioned them. Then you trade them. And then they've kept them or you trade in them. Denver. Yes. And made those phone calls. And then we have seen a couple of those guys, like Jacob McDonald's a good yeah. example, there got traded. Go. Yep. After he cleared, because okay, now the team acquiring him knows they're not going to lose him. You're not going to acquire a guy, send him on waivers. Yep. Somebody claims him. You just fucking lost a player for nothing, you know. Yeah, like you it's go. so you're it's, told it's that you're a dummy. It's all <laughs> it's it's all part of as you said. It's a it's a puzzle. It's it it's all part of that transaction math that they have to do. But also the math that I think sometimes we get lost in is who's the best player for this job. Absolutely. Because I want to ask you, I want to ask both of you right now. Right now, today, obviously we have four more, we have two more weeks of this, and then we have four more po- uh, preseason games. Yeah. I was about to say postseason. Not quite. Four more preseason games, two more weeks of training camp and practice and all that. But right now, what you've seen so far, who are your 12th and 13th forwards, and who's your 7th defenseman? Keaton Middleton, Frederick Olsen, Ben Myers. Okay. And then opening night, what's your who's who plays? Olsen or Myers? Because I assume the other eleven are pretty set. If Olsen doesn't play, he's just sitting. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Myers. Okay. I have the most belief in the upside of Myers in the short term future. Like I still think he needs a little bit of time to get there, mm-hmm. but I think the upside is going to be a greater payout. But I also have concerns that there aren't actually dozens of Frederick Olsons out there. I think the trust that he earned with Dallas last year is why the Avs pursued him as aggressively as they did this offseason is because I think they preemptively viewed this as a player that would be difficult to get through waivers Mm -hmm. down the line. And I hope that they covet that a little bit in Olsson and aren't willing to part ways or take that risk too easily because I do think being the next man up in a playoff series after only having made his NHL debut that season before – speaks to the level of trust that Olafson earned for a reason. Yeah. And that's why I do want them to protect what he means and could mean for Avs a little bit moving forward. And maybe it's just because he's a broomful kid and I talked to him once and he had a good head on his shoulders. <laughs> but I really liked Frederick Olafson and I don't want them to let him go so easily. I'll, I'm going to answer that question. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to defer. I, I, Me, good business. I put Myers in Loveland. Derm, Dermy's my guy. 
I'm not going to change yeah, that. Yeah. Dermy's my guy. I think Olafson's in the lineup. And, mm-hmm. and I do agree with Keaton Middleton, you know, and that's that's what I do and see what happens when the puck drops and see, you know, if there's any injuries and go from there. Mm-hmm. You know, on a different note, uh, this weekend, plenty of stuff to do. We've got some love there on Colorado Grit from the NHL. So go see the Colorado Grit. But the, also the NFL is back in full force so we are back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us on the NFL action and great offers every single game day new customers can bet five dollars and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets throw a five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner and DraftKings isn't stopping there all customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September Football's more fun when you're on when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with the code DNVR. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code DNVR. The crown is yours. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for prom gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort... Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, 21 over age, varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms of eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. That is a long read for a French yeah. guy, but I think I nailed it. You I'm did nail it. No, <laughs> you nailed each of these so far. I was laughing at her, not you. Yeah, sneezing in the middle of it. I know. I God bless you. Yeah. I normally sneeze really quietly, too. Well, well it was just quick, you tried you, so hard. Do you have a pick of the week, maybe, for DraftKings? Anybody? I like that both of you just looked at me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a hockey guy. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to hear I, what I have to say about the NFL. There, no there, there's some preseason games. I don't know if you can pick bet the on Montreal those. Alouettes. No, I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm gonna pick the Broncos to beat the Bears oh. in Chicago. All right, that Your is favorite, a right? pick. It is a pick, indeed. Uh, maybe we can wrap this up here. Uh, you know, the last little bit with goalies. How's that? You know, I. They exist. You know, good show. See you guys a, tomorrow. You know, a, yeah, they exist. You're right, and they're very important. Got to give some goalie love. Georgiev yesterday played what four, give and take thirty, whatever it was. Played minutes. about thirty three minutes. Yeah, yeah. thirty three minutes. Sorry, my math is not good. Um, I thought he looked great. I thought he was sharp. I thought that's what he needed to do. And then, my guy, Anyan, <laughs> I love him. I do believe is in a great position this year to to show that he is an NHLer. So. You know, I don't know what you guys have to say about that, but I thought both of them were really solid yesterday. My evaluation of goaltenders is very simple. I don't feel like I'm able to provide very in-depth analysis, but what I like is... You'd be a good coach then. The coaches <laughs> should leave goalies alone. The trust is seems to be there to give Anunin the chance. I think having him get in a half game twice now, and I'm assuming he'll get a full game here soon, 
seeing Jigalov go to the USHL, I was curious if they were going to put him in a game. Gives me the belief then that they're going to give Anunin a real chance here. And I thought Georgiev looked excellent. He was dialed in. He was under duress early. He made a lot of athletic saves on some pretty high danger chances that, you know, maybe speaks to some of the the weaknesses and the D that was in front of him in playing the Utes yesterday. But overall, I liked what I saw in both Georgiev and Anunin. I'd like to see a full game of Anunin, though, because I do feel like for a significant chunk of the game that he played, he actually didn't see much action until closer till the end. So I just feel like I haven't seen enough to form an opinion on Anunin as number two for right now. But that's a good point there. Just to show you, again, I'm not, I wasn't a goalie, but whatever. I deal with it more often now than I did back then. But he goes for, I don't know, 15 minutes without a shot yesterday. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he gets one with five seconds to go in the period. Pretty much a breakaway makes mm-hmm. it the same. That is tough to do. Yeah. That is, again, like I always say about forwards, playing five minutes a night is not easy to do. For a goalie, if you're in there, He's a big guy. There's not much happening. He just came in the game. He really hasn't been tested. Then all of a sudden, there's five seconds to go in the period, and he gets a breakaway. Makes the easy save look. Makes it look easy. Mm-hmm. That's a sign of a good goaltender. Oh, also, like that. Vegas had 14 shots on goal last night. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not. It's tough. Yeah, because <laughs> we talked. We talked about how the yeah. adjustment for Georgiev coming from New York to Colorado was going to be yeah. going from facing 40 shots a night, 35 shots a night to. There will be nights where he has 18. And, yeah, that's like an easier job. But in, a, in another way, it, you're not in a rhythm. Because we see when goaltenders start stopping lots of shots, they get into that rhythm where they're seeing them all the time. They're into it. They're feeling it. You know, you have 40 saves or whatever. It's why when you look at when you look at good goaltenders and you see their what is what are their numbers when they face more than 40 shots? Their record might not be very good because yeah. it's hard to win that consistently, but their save percentages are usually really good because they get into a rhythm. And good goaltenders, you know, when you put them into a rhythm by shooting at them a lot, it's hard to get it out all of a sudden. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's interesting in that way when you face a really low number of shots, you're not into it. You might only need to make two saves across nine minutes, but one of them is a freaking breakaway yeah and you know you make that save you calmly no problem you know you don't get lucky it's not like you just barely got it and he dismissed it no problem and that was from the guy who had scored the goal the first vegas goal yeah and you know you had on one hand great job by the team defense last night on the other hand yeah that's a tough adjustment for goalies and i thought both of them looked great i Feel fine about the netminders right now. I'm, I, I've maintained I won't be surprised if the Avs claim one on waivers just because that's what teams do. They want to be safe. Uh, claiming a guy on waivers at the, pre- at the start of the preseason until we have a timeline on Franco's, you know, and maybe they have one and they're just not telling exactly, us. Exactly, yeah. But if they truly don't have a timeline – they might just claim one just to be on the safe side of it and say, well, if we have one more injury, if Annan gets hurt, then we're in a position we don't want to be in with Holm or Minor or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and they could just say this provides us with that little bit of extra buffer because it is free right now. And if they get one more injury into it and they feel like they have to make a trade, then you're giving up an asset that you maybe don't want to give up. So 
it's it's I think the safer thing to do would be to claim another goaltender. There's going to be a lot of goalies that are going to be passing through waivers over the next couple of weeks that are like that you've heard of that you're like yeah that guy's fine. Okay, sure, you know, like an Eric Comrie type. I don't know if Eric Comrie will pass, but like guys like that who have kind of been on that backup bubble for a number of years that you could be like, eh, sure. He could he could do that if they wanted to. You know, right now, I'm fine with Ananen, yep. but I also, you know, NHL teams are all about contingencies mm-hmm. and building building in a safety plan. And I think after what Colorado went through last year with injuries, there's a reason they've got 65 forwards in camp right now. That they're like <laughs> that are pretty. There's a good well, amount of good ones. We like, didn't even yeah. talk about Oscar Olsson. I was going to say Oscar <laughs> Olsson is a first round pick who kicked ass last night. We even <laughs> talked about him in the show. There you go. And because he's not like he's like tenth on the list no, to, he, to make the team. Tr- yeah. Yes. You know, like so that's 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 where you know I think that you could see. They, they claim a goaltender where it would make sense. Mm-hmm. And it's not an indictment of Eustace Ananen at all. It's entirely about an organization just playing it safe. Knowing that, hey, if they get one more injury at this position, yeah. if they if, if Georgiev gets hurt, you're in trouble no matter what. But if Georgiev gets hurt and Franzos isn't ready to go and your tandem is Eustace Ananen and Arvid Holm, you're in trouble. I wish you hadn't said that. I'm sorry, that's but so, it's just... Yeah, that's so scary. That's wow. where you are when your backup is hurt on day one. Mm-hmm. You are, and, and like I always say this, every team is one goaltender injury away from being in trouble. But if you do go and get an Eric Comrie or I'm, – yeah. I'm using him because I know Buffalo's got like that yeah. Uko Pekalukanen, Devin <laughs> Levi, Eric Comrie like trio of like somebody's going to lose that battle. Um, but there are other goalies out there that you could have those conversations about that there will – one of them is shaking loose somewhere. You don't know which one it's going to be right away, but somebody is shaking loose. And to be on the safe side, you could see the Avalanche just saying, hey, we're going to go and claim a Keith Kincaid caliber, Michael Hutchinson caliber of guy. Where do you feel that much better if Georgiev gets hurt and your tandem is Michael Hutchinson and Eustace Ananen? No, you don't. But you do feel, I think I would feel better about Hutchinson and Ananen than I do Ananen and home right now. It may not be a lot, but it's a little bit. And I think that little bit matters when you're a team that's trying to chase down a division title, that's trying to play for home ice, a team that fancies self, itself a cup winner. They'll have those discussions for sure. Those are healthy discussions for them to have. And every day is a new uh, day on the waiver wire. Every day is a new day to get the team better. So they'll do whatever needs to be done with the information that they have on yeah. Frankie and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which right. is a little more, you know, and I do think do. what they decide to do will be in will be informative on if we still don't have a timeline on Frankie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if they don't make a move, I would say they have one and it's shorter term. It's optimistic. If they do make a move, I would say it's a more pessimistic view of Franco's. Well, a couple more points just when we wrap up right here is there's a viewer, Joey, that said we should go back to whites at home. I totally agree with him. This is something I... <laughs> Absolutely hate. We got to go back to the way it used to be. Whites should be home. And then wrap it up. What can we do to go see our show, you know, to uh, look online and, uh, you know, promote the show? Oh, that's right. We love our YouTube listeners and viewers, but we are also on other 
pod platforms. I think Apple, Spotify, mm-hmm. literally anywhere you could Stitcher, listen to a podcast. Podbean. And so if you want to tell your friends to listen there on their car ride into work, that's just another great way to listen to DNVR as if you can't always tune in live, just download those episodes and listen on the go. And we really appreciate it. So if you hadn't tuned in for a while to having Eric on the show, I think has really refreshed the content that we're making in a way that we're really proud of. And so we encourage you to tell your friends to revisit DNVR Avs if they haven't in a minute. Download the show, give it a like, give it a review. We really appreciate it because we're really proud of the content we've been making yeah. and we just want to see it grow even more this year. And if you've given it a bad review in the past. Go change that. Yeah. Take it from a three to a five, guys. It helps us out I'm a ton. I'm not milk so. toast, you jerks. Wow. <laughs> That was very specific. Somebody read those reviews. Someone very specifically wrote that about me. That's so uh, messed up. Well, tomorrow, 2 o'clock, same time as today. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to seeing you guys. Rudo usually goes like this. I'm going to go, on behalf of these two and myself, I'm going to go double. We'll see wow. you tomorrow.